Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I have been presenting a series of broadcasts on the subject of prayer, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I have been talking about a lot of things on the subject of prayer, mainly from a general perspective. And the reason why I have only been speaking from a general perspective is because this truly is an individual experience between you and your God. There really is no way that I can give you absolutes and tell you that this is the right way to pray and this is the wrong way to pray. I can only address some general issues that have come up with hopes that these issues might be helpful to you. For the first part of this broadcast, I would like to summarize some of the things that I've been presenting in the previous broadcasts. Now, of course, the most important thing to consider is that our desires are going to change. Our desires are most certainly going to change over time as we grow in our relationship with our God, with our Creator, with the Lord Jesus. As we grow in our relationship with Him, we should anticipate that there would be some type of change that would be experienced by us personally and, of course, individually. What those changes are is difficult to say, of course, but I sincerely believe that many of the desires that we have before we are born again of the Spirit will begin to change to the extent where those desires will not be desires that we hold to, that we have anymore. I sincerely believe that as the Lord fulfills the deepest needs that we have within our heart, that we will not be pursuing sin, for example, like we once were doing. And so those desires, those fundamental desires, will begin to change as our needs are met by our God personally and individually. This is an important concept, especially when you consider many passages in the scriptures about the subject of prayer, when the Lord Jesus spoke about having our desires fulfilled. In the context of, if you pray for something, then the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Well, what is more important is that he gives us new desires. Not that we just get whatever we want, but that we have new desires put within our heart, and so that we are conformed to his image. That's the most important thing about that subject, and I just wanted to take the opportunity to summarize that a little bit. Another important issue that comes up has to do with when our prayers are not answered in the way that we had hoped that they would be answered. Now, the answer could just simply be no. The Lord can simply respond by saying, no, I'm not going to do that, give you that, or share that information with you. Those are decisions that he gets to make. But when this happens, when we don't get what we pray for, then many people are very concerned about that. They assume many things that are just simply not true. One thing that they assume is that they believe that their sin is a barrier between them and their God. This, of course, is not true. It cannot be true because the Lord Jesus died for all of our sins. And so either the sin issue between man and God is over or it's not over. You have to choose between the two. And I sincerely believe that when he died 
on the cross for all sin, that he really did die on the cross for all sin, and that he didn't leave any out when he did that. And so I believe that our God relates to us on the basis of his grace and mercy, not on the basis of our sinfulness anymore, because he no longer sees us because of what he did for us on the cross. That's a very important point. But many people look at their prayer life in that sense, in that context, that if they're not getting their prayers answered, it's probably because they harbor some unforgiveness. It's probably because they have some sin in their life. There are many reasons why people believe this. There are legitimate passages in scriptures that are used in order to support this perspective, my contention is is that those passages are just simply to be interpreted differently than what most people are interpreting them as. And of course, that has to be explained individually for the specific passages, and I'll have to defer to other broadcasts that I have done on those key points. Another concern that is normally raised is that people assume that the limits in their prayer is also because of their lack of faith or their lack of belief or their lack of trust, their lack of dependency. And so they assume that the reason why they're not getting their prayers answered is because they, again, are deficient, they again have sin, but then the answer is, in their mind, is that they need to generate more faith, or they need to generate more belief, or they really need to believe. But even then, in most cases, their prayers are not answered because, as I was explaining earlier, it does not depend on you. It only depends on the decision, choice, and will of God. It does not depend on you, what you do, what you say, how you say it. That's not the issue. Your God is an individual person who gets to make decisions just like you get to make decisions. And he has a will just like you have a will. And he has the ability to choose what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. He is an active participant in your daily lives. I'm not saying that he has already got this plan laid out and anything that you decide or you ask for outside of that plan, he's not going to do. That's not what I'm saying. There are many people who do believe that, but that's not what I'm intending to say. I believe that our God is an active participant in our lives, that in general he does have an overall plan. I do believe that. But in most cases, what people assume is his plan or that he has a plan, I believe that there is an active participation that describes a living God that is ignored, that is somewhat even rejected when we assume that he has everything already decided and there is not going to be any variation no matter what happens. That's not what I'm intending to say. And so when we consider this, there are, of course, many opportunities for people to feel further away from God, whereas their prayer life does not become an opportunity for them to draw closer to their God. But because of many of the assumptions that people make, and of course it is because these are the things that are being taught, many people will start to feel further away from God because they're not getting their prayers answered, they don't understand why, and all these other concerns about sin in their life and everything will start to develop, will start to be encouraged by many teachers. And because of this, many people tend to draw further away from God and they really don't know what to do or what to think. And so, in general, they just kind of drift away and drift back into their old life in most cases. This is a practical thing. This is something that I observe and deal with regularly. It's something that I have seen happen an awful lot over the course of time. I'm not saying this just because it sounds good, but I'm saying it because it is actually true in most cases. This does happen an awful lot. When people consider the sovereignty of God, and of course this is a big subject, and I will have to defer the core of this subject to another set of broadcasts, 
when it comes to the sovereignty of God, many people assume that God has this complete, solid plan already written out, laid out, decided, and we're just sort of going through life, trying to get through life and trying to figure out how to appreciate this plan that he has for our lives already. I, of course, do not believe that that is the complete aspect of our relationship with our God. I do believe that we have a dynamic relationship, that perhaps there are some things for some people that are planned, that are well laid out, that he does intervene to the extent where it can be very difficult, if not impossible, to resist what the Lord presents to us. I understand that. That, again, is an individual thing, an individual experience that everyone is going to have to live with and live within as they experience their relationship with their God, I'm certainly not going to go before anyone and tell them that the reason why they're experiencing suffering in their life is because that's God's plan for them, for example, and I'm not going to tell them that their prayers are not being answered because that's God's plan for them. That's not how I'm going to answer those kinds of questions. There are many people who do sincerely believe that. I understand that. That's okay with me if they want to believe that. It's something that they need to deal with between them and their God. I personally would just prefer to stay away from those kinds of issues just because it's an individual experience and it's so easy to try to define your relationship with your God in my terms the way that I have mine. And this is something that just can't easily be done. And so again, it can be very difficult to talk about this subject because there are a lot of generalizations that we do have to consider and end up having to deal with. The other thing that I was mentioning in a previous broadcast had to do with the pressure of prayer. That there is a significant amount of pressure that gets placed on people when it comes to the subject of prayer. In many cases, people sincerely believe that God will not do anything apart from the prayers of his people. And so when they say that, what they normally mean by that, or at least what is normally inferred or what is heard from other people, is that you had better get on board or you're in the way of God. Or you might be interfering with God's will if you do not participate properly in the prayer vigils that we are all organizing. This is the kind of pressure that many people face, that many people deal with, and a lot of blame is placed on other people when people's prayers are not answered because it is assumed that someone wasn't praying like they should be. This is a very big concern that happens within many Christian circles. It is very unfortunate. And this is the kind of pressure that a lot of people live under, and I sincerely reject these ideas, these notions that say that you have to pray in a certain way at a certain time for a certain thing and that we are to pass judgment on others when they don't do that. But this is the kind of thing that often happens within many Christian circles and it is a very unfortunate thing that we do have to face. Prayer is definitely a personal experience that you have with your God. And I sincerely believe that in most cases, prayer should actually be an act of listening, not necessarily talking. Prayer, to me, and this is a key point, prayer is an exotic term that expresses the individual conversation that you have with your best friend who just so happens to be God. That is what I sincerely believe prayer is. And while there are many things that I bring before my God and share with him, burdens that I have on my heart, requests that I have sincerely in my own life and in the lives of others, 
these things are definitely a part of my life, even though you may be wondering after listening to several of these broadcasts. They definitely are, but they happen as my God inspires me, not when other people inspire me or other people ask me. They happen when the Lord puts it on my heart to do so, and I just simply respond in my individual experience with my God and lay my requests before Him, lay my burdens before Him, lay concerns before Him, And I also ask him for insight on many things. Without question, I ask many things of my God. But in the midst of the many things that I ask, I would say the vast majority of the dialogue or the experience that I have in the context of prayer is definitely listening to my God, being attentive, walking and living in my daily life, trying to be attentive to what he may share with me, to what he may reveal to me, and to even ask him questions and wait patiently to see what kinds of answers he might share with me. And he doesn't speak in my ears, he speaks in my being, in my spirit. And the way that I know that it's him is very simple. First of all, in most cases, the things that he shares and that he presents are things that I know I would have never thought of myself. I would have never come up with many of the things that my God has shared with me. The other thing is is that I'm able to look at the scriptures, I'm able to look look at the Bible that we have, and I can look at the scriptures and consider the things that are being shared with me that I believe the Lord is sharing with me, and I can look to see if there is any conflict between the two. And if there is, then I have to question as to whether or not what is being shared with me truly is coming from the Spirit of God, or perhaps it might be coming from the unholy spirit, or it might be coming from my own imagination. These are real things and real struggles that every believer is going to be faced with, regardless of the situation, regardless of the person. And this is something that you're just going to have to consider. You're just going to have to live with. You're going to have to continue to live with the knowledge and understanding that on occasion you're going to probably have some doubts or some concerns. And when those things happen, then just simply consider that you cannot have total conviction on that particular issue, but that you have a concern. This is something that you believe might be revealed by God, but you don't have the complete confidence in that. And that's acceptable. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But your prayer life should most certainly be more than anything an experience of listening to your God. Certainly, if you're anxious about something, bring your petitions before him. If there's something that you're concerned about or if there's something that you want to understand, then certainly bring those before your God. But don't forget the most important thing, and that is to listen. To listen to your God. This is not supposed to be just a one-way conversation of you talking to your God. But you should listen, and you should be quiet, and you should be calm, and you should be attentive, and you should wait, and you should search for him, and you should seek after him, and try to be attentive to whatever it may be that he might reveal to you, to listen carefully, to learn to know his voice on the basis of what he reveals to you. That's something that you experience as you develop in maturity with your God. And that's a personal thing. There's no way that I can tell you that you are definitely hearing from God or not outside of what I already know is fundamentally true that he has revealed in the scriptures. And we can use that as a means of evaluating the kinds of things that you're considering, the kinds of things that you believe you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. But please understand that you are to listen to your God. You really should. That it is not just a monologue of you making appeals. And it's not just a monologue of him just saying things to you. But feel free to openly speak to him and wait to see what his response might be. This is a very general description, again, and that's because it's an individual experience and there's no way that we can ever get around that. 
The other thing that we should really consider is the fact that we have already received a tremendous inheritance in our God. We have received a tremendous inheritance as a result of the death of the Lord Jesus and the invocation of the will of God, that being the description of the inheritance of everything that we have received as a result of his death. You have received everything that you need for life and godliness. You really have. And as you begin to grow in your understanding of what you have received and how those things that you have received are applicable in your daily life, then this is a measure of growth. This is a way of understanding maturity in your faith. Don't neglect this. It is very important and very real to consider what you have already received from your God and to grow in your knowledge and understanding of the inheritance that you have. Very important. When we start to grow in that, when we begin to really live with everything that we have truly been given, then our prayer life will begin to really change. And one of the great ways that it changes is, instead of continually asking Him for things, we begin to express thankfulness for the things that we already have. And this is another important point on the subject of prayer, as I'm summarizing the previous broadcasts, and that is that the vast majority of your prayers... The majority of your prayer life, I would expect as you mature in your faith, would be an experience of thankfulness, to give thanks for what you have already received from your God. Not to be an expert or a guru at asking Him for things, but more importantly, to really consider what you already have and to live a life of thankfulness for the things that you already have. When you consider living a life of thankfulness and you consider living a life of being attentive and listening and being responsive to what the Lord reveals to you, you will find that a great portion of your life will begin to be expressed as prayer. Absolutely. As you live in your daily life, responding to the truths that your God has revealed to you, as you go and live your daily life in light of what you have already received from your God, when you live in your daily life as an expression of thanksgiving, when you live in your daily life as an expression of listening and being attentive to how the Spirit of God may guide you and lead you in your daily experiences, your personal daily experiences, then you will find that you will have moments of praying as if you are praying without ceasing. When you consider the culmination of all of these aspects of a life of prayer, you will experience and begin to experience what it's like to pray without ceasing. When you understand that our daily life is to be encompassed with our experience with our God, then the whole experience becomes a matter of prayer. But again, that's not because you're on your knees and your hands are above your head and your eyes are closed or whatever you may do in order to express prayer to your God. Not because of that, but because of your daily experience. Your daily experience of dependency and trust and belief and your response in your daily life to the experiences that you have personally, to the people that you interact with, that becomes a life of prayer, a living prayer, as you live your life with what you have already received from your God. These are some important points that I really wanted to mention and I really wanted to bring out. Another important question that many people ask is, how do I pray? I cannot seem to pray like other people are praying that I know. I cannot speak as eloquently as they do. I can't speak consistently as they do. 
I'm really concerned about not impressing my God, is what they're effectively saying, that they don't have the confidence that they can say something or do something or believe something. They're not sure how to express themselves to their God to bring their concerns before him. And again, there's no way that I can possibly tell you that this is the right way, this is the wrong way. I can only say from a general perspective that you should not be concerned about those issues. How you speak, whether you speak with your mouth, whether you speak with your mind, whether you speak openly or you speak in your heart, whether you speak in a group or whether you speak privately or individually, whether you speak to God out in the street or you do it in your closet at home, No matter what you do or how you do it, there's no way that I can pass judgment on those things. I can only say in my own heart that my prayer is like this and your prayer may be like that. It is a living experience that you have with your Creator. But one thing I can say with confidence is that I would not want you to be concerned with whether or not you are praying adequately or whether or not you are speaking eloquently or how you would measure those things. I certainly would not want you to even be concerned with that. Let me give you an example. My little boy, at the time that this recording is being done, he's just under one year old. And my little boy, he doesn't have a very good vocabulary. He doesn't say very many things very eloquently. And yet when I sit down and I spend time with my son, and I play with my son, and I listen to my son, and I talk to my son, we don't use exotic terms. I don't ask my son, how was your day today? Tell me all the insights that you experienced while you were playing with your toys and while you were crawling around on the floor. That's not what I do. I don't bother him with things like that because I know full well that he's just a baby. So do I not enjoy my time with my son because of that? Well, that's certainly not the case. I really enjoy my time that I spend with my son. Even though most of our vocabulary is very limited, it's usually limited to things like er and ah and duh, 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 things like that. I mean, that's the vocabulary that he has. And with the limited vocabulary that he has, and when we shake our hands up and down and we crawl around on the floor and we do things that are babyish, when we do that, he has fun and I have fun and we just have a great time. Do you feel that your God does not enjoy you because you're too much of a baby or because you're not as mature as you think someone else really is? Are you really concerned about how your God may look at you because you're not using the right vocabulary or you don't have as many insights as you think that you should have? Your God enjoys you right where you are. He is enjoying you. He is having fun with you right where you are in your life experience, knowing full well that you're just a baby, knowing full well that you are a child of God, that you are his child. And if I can enjoy my little one-year-old baby boy just like that, I have great confidence that he would be able to enjoy you in any circumstances in life, in any conditions of life, in any state that you might find yourself in. Your God, I sincerely believe, will enjoy you no matter what you do, how you do it, that he will really enjoy the experience that he has with you being attentive to him, with you living your life knowing that he is there with you. He is. If you're a born-again believer, your God is there with you at all times. He is there living within you. Where do you think you're going to go that's going to leave him behind? He who indwells within you, who has made his home within you, he is there permanently, eternally, and he is your God who is always present with you, and he is enjoying your life as you live your life, as you stumble, as you fail, as you succeed, and as you run, 
as you speak, as you don't speak, no matter what it is, trust me, your God enjoys his time with you. He really does. I really sincerely believe that. At no point does he ever feel ashamed of you. He has revealed this clearly in the scriptures, especially in what the writer to the Hebrews wrote about the Lord God is not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister, his brethren. He is not ashamed of you at all. And so have confidence, have confidence and believe that your God is with you. Trust in him and rely on him. And don't be concerned about these other little details. Just know that your God truly loves you right where you are, and you are growing just as he wants you to, and he will conform you to his image as he is able to. And you can truly believe and trust that he will complete the work that he began in you. Your God is with you. Your God is within you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You know that he is there with you, and you know that he is encountering the same experiences that you are encountering. And you know that he walks where you walk, and he hears what you hear, and he sees what you see. He is there. Do not concern yourself so much with how you communicate your burdens to him. He knows what your burdens are. He is not unaware of your burdens. He is not unaware of your concerns. And you do not need to concern yourself so deeply with how you share those things with him. Just share them with him as you would share them with me, as you would share them with anyone, as you would share them with your best friend, because he truly is your best friend. There is no one who will be a greater friend to you than the Lord Jesus. No one. And even though we don't know how to pray as perhaps we ought to pray... We don't know what words we should use or could use or might be able to use or what words might be more effective in communicating our thoughts or our concerns. He is still there and he knows our concerns even before we bring them to him. That doesn't mean that we should feel shy about bringing them to him. We should feel encouraged about sharing those things with him because he does know and he does understand. He knows and he understands. When Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 8, he wrote something very, very important about the subject of prayer. In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 28, it says this, beginning in verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If that is true, if that is something that you can certainly rely on, then rely on it. It is true. You can rely on this. It is clear that we do not always know how to pray as we ought, perhaps as we as we might think that we should, but the Lord God is still there with us, and all things will be done according to his will, according to what we have received in our inheritance, and all things will be working together for our good. He can use all things in order to reveal himself more so that we can know our God, and that is the bottom line, that you may know your God. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is livinggodministries.net. 
Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.